The information and opinions you hear on this radio show are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of KFNX, its affiliates, management, or advertisers. Hello and welcome to the Healthcare Question Show. I'm your host, Dr. Kendrick Johnson. I'm a family physician and healthcare CEO on a mission to replace the broken sick care system with a healthcare system that truly cares and truly brings health. On this show, we ask the tough questions about how we can change the healthcare system and our own culture to make ourselves and our communities healthier. This show is sponsored by Arc Family Health, where you can see your provider within a day for urgent needs. You can call, text, or email your provider all for about as much as your cable bill. There are no copays, and we spend as much time as you need. Check out arcfamilyhealth.com for more details. I am going to talk about what health is today. We have uh, talked a lot of on this show about the healthcare system, how it works, why it's not working for us. But I want to just go back to the basics of what is health and what can we do about it for ourselves. So I'll start with the definition of health that we got from the World Health Organization that says, health is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. So a lot of times we talk about health being not being sick, but there's a lot more to health than not being sick. There's, there's what is being healthy? What does a healthy life look like? And so to address the, uh, the ways of getting and staying healthy, there has been a lot of research done. But I wanted to tell you a little bit about my story first, just so you knew uh, where I come from. I, I have always wanted to be a doctor. I grew up just loving uh, the idea that my dad as a physician was helping to save people's lives, helping to improve the quality of life for people. I remember one time, and I think I've told this before on the show, but I was holding my dad's hand in a grocery store and a woman came up to us and said, uh, did you know that your dad saved my son's life? And that, uh, that, experience has just solidified for me that there is few more important or more impactful ways to helping somebody than than you could potentially do as a physician. So I prepared to be a doctor. I did all of the work in high school to be able to get into a good college. I did all the work in college to be able to get into a good medical school, all of the studying for the entrance exams. And then I got into medical school and I was severely disappointed to find out that we were not learning a whole lot about how to actually prevent disease and reverse disease. We were, we were learning a lot about how to decrease the effects of disease and how to identify diseases, but we weren't learning actually how to fix hardly anything. If you think about the different medications that are out there, very few of them actually reverse disease. And so I was really disappointed as a medical student to find that we're not really talking in medical school about how to reverse disease. And so I was you know, anxiously waiting for the lectures to start when we started talking about preventing and reversing disease and they just didn't happen. And so I was thinking at the time, does that mean that that disease is not preventable? Have we just not figured out as a medical profession how to prevent or reverse disease? 
And so I started doing research outside of just what was presented to me in, in medical school. And I found that there was actually great literature out there on how to prevent disease. And uh, it was published in some of these really prominent journals like the Journal of the American Medical Association, the New England Journal of Medicine, and many more. And what those, what those studies say is that 90% of diabetes is preventable. Heart disease is preventable at least 80% of the time. Stroke is preventable 70% of the time. And colon cancer is preventable 70% of the time. Now, the diseases that I just mentioned are, are big killers. They're, they're the things that most of us have loved ones that are suffering from. And these things are extremely preventable. And so... I was frustrated to, to find that as a third year and fourth year medical student, I'm going into the hospitals and I'm going into one room where somebody just had a heart attack, the next room where somebody is in serious condition because of an infection due to their diabetes and you know colon cancer in the next room. And then I'm comparing back to the research that says all of this stuff could have been prevented in the first place. And so it was really frustrating as a medical student to see that all of these people were suffering from diseases that could have, and in my opinion, should have been prevented. And so I started asking the question, well, why are we not doing more about preventing disease if all of these diseases are in fact preventable? And you don't have to look too far to find the answer to that. And that the answer is that less than 3% of the total healthcare spend in America goes to actually preventing disease, depending on how you count it. Most of that 3% actually goes to mammograms and, uh, and immunizations. So we're not, we're not, uh, actually preventing diseases, but finding them earlier with manomograms, which is an important thing to do, but it's, uh, it's potentially missing the opportunity to prevent the disease before it even happened in the first place. And so just to give you an example of, of some of these studies, uh, one of my favorite studies uh, that, uh, that says a combination of four healthy lifestyle factors um, is associated with a reduction of all-cause mortality by 66%. That basically means that two-thirds of the people that were in this study that had um, healthy lifestyle factors, including a relatively healthy nutrition pattern, um, were able to avoid disease just by the way that they lived. Another big study um, says, uh, this is in the Annals of Internal Medicine, says that um, the risk of, risk of chronic disease was reduced by 78% in participants with all four healthy factors at baseline, um, compared with participants with none of these healthy factors. So what, what these studies are giving us is basically a recipe for preventing 60, 70, 80% of disease and potentially like we talked about 90% of diabetes. And in my opinion, these are low estimates because these studies were only able to, to measure the people that were living relatively healthy lifestyles. You know, potentially there is a lot more healthy lifestyle than the ones that are in this study and that uh, we could be talking about 90, 95% uh, reduction of disease if we just did these few things. Now, what are the things that I'm talking about? We're talking about uh, good nutrition, exercise, sleep, and emotional wellness. These things are the basic factors that help us to avoid disease. And if you think about this um, as a 
as like a river. If you think about a river of health that comes down through your life and you you picture the spot where you're at on the river as being your level of health that you have now. And as you go downstream a river, you have more potential for pollution to come into that river. And so if you're looking at um, this polluted river that you're, that represents your life right now, then sometimes all you can do to use this water in the river is to add chemicals to it. And that's basically what we're doing with medication. So we're just adding chemicals to an already polluted river to help it be more usable at the time. But what about thinking about going upstream on the river and finding the places where this pollution is coming into the water? And that's what we're going to be talking about today is there are some basic things that we can do to prevent disease before it even starts. And, you know, even though it's going to work me out of a job, if we are able to actually prevent these diseases before they start, then it's worth going and looking at how we can apply some of these simple lifestyle factors to prevent disease. So um, those simple lifestyle factors that we talk about are exercise, nutrition, and sleep. But we're going to talk about even further upstream how we can get to those things, how we can implement those things in our life. So we'll talk more about that as we come back from the, the break. Uh, you have been listening to the Healthcare Questions Show, sponsored by Arc Family Health. And this is on 1100 KFNX, the Pulse of Arizona. Hello, and welcome back to the Healthcare Question Show. I'm your host, Dr. Kendrick. This show is sponsored by Arc Family Health. And we are talking today about what is health and how can we make it happen. So we talked a little bit before the break that um, if you were to envision your health as a river, and as the water comes down the mountain, there is a possibility that it gets polluted as it comes down. And if you're there by the river and you want to use the water, then you're going to have to put some chemicals in it. And that's what we're doing in a lot of healthcare is we're putting chemicals into the water to make it usable. And now you uh, don't assume in this case that the chemicals are going to make the water like new again, just as when we put chemicals into our body, it doesn't make our body new again. It doesn't actually fix the problem in most cases. So what are the chemicals doing? They're, they're mostly just counteracting some of the worst effects of the disease that we have, which is a result of the pollution that's coming from further upstream. So if we start to look upstream from where we are and wonder where is this pollution coming in, you don't have to go very far to see these four main factors that I talked about in the earlier study, which is uh, nutrition, exercise, sleep, and avoiding harmful substances, which are the four major factors that were studied in these studies that showed that 70 to 80% of our major diseases were preventable. So, so just upstream from medication, you can find exercise, nutrition, sleep, and avoiding harmful substances. And those things will decrease our amounts of disease by maybe 70 to 80%. And I think by much more. And so we will talk more about um, how those that how those things can be implemented. 
But let's let's think about the fact that these things don't come from nowhere. There's actually things that come upstream from our exercise, nutrition, and sleep. There's ways that the that the stream gets polluted further up. And the the thing that I think of is right before what what drives our exercise, nutrition, sleep, and other habits. Those are our thoughts and our feelings and our beliefs. So the the reasons that we don't exercise, the reasons that we don't feed ourselves well, they often stem back to how we feel about ourselves, what we believe about ourselves, and and what we think is a good healthy lifestyle. So what what brings on those thoughts, feelings, and beliefs? Beliefs, where do they come from? Well, usually they come from something further upstream, which is our upbringing, our childhood traumatic experiences, our socioeconomic status, and our education. Those types of things are going to heavily influence how we think and how we feel and what we believe. And those things are going to affect how we, what habits we have, what exercise and nutrition habits we have. And then if you look all the way to the source of the stream, then you have genetics. And genetics represents, you know, some of the the tendencies that we might have um, that are built right into our DNA. And many people assume that the genetics are the strongest factors in driving their health. And so a lot of times when people come into my office and uh, we talk about their blood pressure, they say, oh yeah, my dad had high blood pressure, so of course I have high blood pressure. And they feel that the genetics are what is giving them the problem. When in studies that we've seen, people who live in different ways, uh, especially eat in different ways, might have zero high blood pressure, even though when they're moved into, those same genetics are moved into a different population where they eat differently, their blood pressure might be really high. So, so the genetics is a factor, and some people might be able to eat however they want and smoke all day and drink all day and still live to 99, but most people can't. Most people, if they live that way, they will deteriorate much faster. So um, let's get into the details of what I'm talking about when I talk about nutrition, exercise, sleep, and emotional wellness. So nutrition is something that we all hear so much about, and we've all heard a whole bunch of different ideas about nutrition. You know, if you watch one Dr. Oz show, you might hear about 15 different diets. And all of these different diets are coming from probably well-meaning people who say that this way to eat is the right way to eat. And then we compare, you know, how much weight are people losing on these diets? So we figure out, we try and figure out from there which one is the best diet. But the the bigger question is, does dieting even work? And we've had some good guests on this show who have talked to us about that. And dieting in general is a failed a failed science um, in that when people go on diets, most of them fail. 95% of them fail to lose weight and keep it off. And a significant percentage of those people will actually have increased harm afterwards, meaning that two people, um, one who goes on a diet and the one who doesn't go on a diet, the one who does go on a diet is probably going to have more problems later even though they started out at the same weight. So 
so part of the problem is, and and we've talked about this before, that that really it's not all about losing weight. You know, the idea, as uh, one of my favorite scientists, uh, Dr. Michael Greger, says, the idea is not just to fit into a skinnier coffin. The idea is for us to be healthier, happier, and have a fuller life. And so let's start to look at not just how to lose weight and what foods to cut out to lose weight, but let's look at how to become healthy. And so in this last year, there have been hundreds of thousands of articles that have been published on nutrition. And so I stayed up late last night and I read them all for you. And I'm going to boil down, <laughs> I'm going to boil down the results of it. And of course, I'm joking. I don't know what's in all 100,000 of these studies, but I do read a lot of the primary research on nutrition. And all of the good studies that I find lead me back to just one main thing. And that is that whole plant foods like vegetables, fruits, whole grains are really good for you. And so let's look at some of the, some of the information that tells us that. Um, there's a study that showed um, the disease rates in Okinawa. And in Okinawa, where at the time they were eating a, a basically 95% whole plant foods diet, um, they had extremely low rates of coronary artery disease. So their coronary artery disease um, was uh, 15, they had 15 deaths from coronary artery disease per 100,000 women. And, um, and compare that to uh, the US where there's 177. So over 10 times the amount of heart disease in, in US compared to Okinawa. And um, the same types of things were holding true for colon cancer, prostate cancer, breast cancer. A lot of people don't think of, of cancers as a preventable illness, but they definitely are. There's huge differences in the rates of cancer, especially breast cancer. And, um, and so uh, this, uh, this leads us to the question, well, what are they doing different in Okinawa? And of course, they're doing a few things differently in Okinawa. You know, there's you can look at a few different diff, uh, changes in their society, and there's a group of of communities that have similar rates that we've compared. Um, and there's one in Okinawa, one in Nicoya Peninsula, one in Sardinia, one in Loma Linda, California, and Ikaria, Greece. And these places collectively have disease rates that are more like what I was talking about um, in those studies. They're talking about 90% less diabetes, 80% less heart disease, 70% less stroke, 70% less colon cancer. So this is a group of areas that has much lower rates of disease. And so what are they doing differently? Well, they're all eating a lot of plants is one major aspect. Now they're also more active, and they're also um, they also have more tight community relationships, and those for sure play a role. But if you were going to go back to asking what nutrition pattern do we have the best evidence to support is good for our health, and you compare what Americans each eat, which is around 15% whole plant foods or less to what Okinawans eat, which is around eight, or sorry, 92% percent 
whole plant foods. We're talking about a huge difference in the amount of plants that these people are eating. So that's uh, principle number one for today is just eating a lot of whole plants is really good for you. And that doesn't mean you have to go on a only plant diet, but we'll talk about more how you can add whole plants into your, into your nutrition pattern. You've been listening to the Healthcare Question Show on 1100 KFNX, the Pulse of Arizona. Hi, and welcome back to the Healthcare Question Show. I'm your host, Dr. Kendrick, and this show is sponsored again by Arc Family Health. Arc Family Health is the first direct primary care practice in the Phoenix area where you can get all of your primary care for $75 a month. This service is also offered to employers as a benefit. So if you want to take care of your employees um, and help make sure that they get affordable access to the best care around, check out arcfamilyhealth.com. So we've been talking today about what health is and how to get it. Uh, We talked about nutrition before the break here, and the biggest thing that we can identify in nutrition is that whole plants are really good for you. Now, there's a lot of people out there that want to send me letters telling me that, you know, keto is the best diet or paleo is the best diet. And um, the, the truth is about all of these diets that come out is that they are measuring one thing, which is weight loss. And, um, and to be fair, they also measure some other things like what happens to your cholesterol and what happens to your hemoglobin A1C. Um, but those are the things that I'm most interested in. The things that I'm most interested in is how healthy are my patients going to be in 10 to 20 years? And the data that helps us, the information that helps us to know what we can eat to be healthy in 10 to 20 years all seems to point back to whole plants. And so though many people want, uh, want me to tell them what not to eat, I try and focus most of the conversation on what to eat. Because if you were to eat a hamburger and a milkshake right now, it probably will have close to zero long-term effect on your health. The only thing that affects our health in the long-term is what we eat consistently. So uh, if we have you know, a hamburger and a milkshake today, which I have had in the last week, um, a hamburger and a milkshake, um, then we don't change significantly our long-term uh, risk by having one meal that is high in calories and low in nutrition. But what we do change those risks by is what we are in the habit of eating. So it's less about avoiding a certain type of food at all costs and more about addressing what are our habits that lead to our most common nutrition patterns. So on a daily basis, I'm in the habit of having some sort of uh, oatmeal or whole grain for breakfast um, and usually some fruit. And I'm in the habit of taking some carrots with me and some nuts and some raisins and other dried fruit with me that I often eat throughout the day. And I'm in the habit of eating some delicious food that my wife makes, um, which is usually uh, full of whole vegetables. And so those habits have really had a, a, a good impact on my health. 
Um, you know, I'm not going for the world's healthiest man competition here. I'm just going for being uh, being as good to myself as I can in order to be as useful as I can be for other people. And so this uh, these habits that uh, have been developed, um, and some of them are mostly attributable attributed to my wife who who really helps with the nutrition in our family um, some of them can be attributed to my parents who helped me um, you know make some positive health habits when I was young um, and some of them have come just by uh, changing my habits consciously because of what I learned about in the science and so um, I'm not advocating that everybody go out and stop eating all meat and stop eating all bagels and all refined grains and all sugar. Um, although you probably don't need much of any of that stuff. And if you were to find a, a group of foods that you really enjoyed that didn't include that stuff, yeah, you probably would be really healthy. Um, but a lot of times we discount the amount of work that it takes for us to to change that nutrition pattern completely. And if most of us were to say, I'm only going to eat vegetables and nuts and berries from now on, most of us would have a hard time maintaining that. And in fact, that's exactly what a diet is. It's uh, something that we say, you can eat this, but you can't eat that. And that's mostly why we don't stick with diets. So instead of doing that, what I would encourage is going out and adding a serving of vegetables today and the next week adding an additional serving every day. And so you might get up to five, seven servings of whole vegetables and fruit in a day. And if you do, um, according to, uh, to this great study out of England, you will reduce your risk of all causes of death by around 50% over the next 10 year period. So this is a very powerful way of decreasing your risk. And each step gives you an additional decrease in risk and it gives you additional health benefits. So it's not just, it's not that you only get the benefit by going all the way to the max and only eating certain foods. You get the benefit each time you add a little more whole plants into your, into your nutrition. And each time we do that, we have just a little bit less room for the other foods too, that don't have a whole lot of nutrition value. So let's talk about exercise. Exercise cannot be discounted, although many people think that nutrition is the most important way to prevent disease. Um, there are some good arguments for why exercise is just as important. And one of the studies that I think is, is really important to remember here is that exercise is more important than BMI for longevity. Meaning that in, in this study where they compared people who were obese but exercising, that they were healthier, they had less disease and lived longer than the people who were ideal weight and not exercising. So with, it goes back to the question of whether or not you want to fit into a skinnier casket or you want to be healthier and happier for the long run. And I'm not suggesting that, uh, that we should be trying to gain weight. Um, I'm saying that 
if we exercise, it will matter less about how much we weigh than how much we are exercising. So um, there's lots of lots of good um, research on this. Another one that that is uh, an important study. Um, you can find this from um, from the National Institutes of Health. Um, they compared low fitness with five other factors in uh, in your health to figure out how um, which which of these factors is the strongest predictor in staying alive and being healthy. And so they compared low fitness to obesity, to smoking, to hypertension, to high cholesterol, and diabetes. And guess which of these factors was most important in your health? Do you think it was smoking or low fitness? Well, it was it was low fitness. So if you are not moving, then you are at more risk than if you were smoking and moving. So let me just say that again. So we've talked about smoking as one of the worst things we could do for our health for the last 75 years. But what is worse than smoking for our health? And that is not being in any kind of cardiovascular shape. So if you if you want to improve your health, then getting some exercise is one of the most important things you can do. Now, uh, the next question is, well, how much exercise do I need? And the, the answer to that is basically that any step of exercise has value over no steps of exercise. So um, you probably could use more exercise than you're getting. We start to see some people max out of the benefits of exercise that they can get around an hour a day. So if you're already exercising an hour a day, then then exercising two and three hours a day probably isn't going to make you live that much longer. But um, but if you're not exercising at all, then 15 minutes is going to be a huge help. And if you're only exercising 15 minutes, then exercising more can make a big difference too. But the very first and most important step is to get started and get moving. So um, so exercise as, uh, as important as nutrition in uh, preventing disease. And uh, we're going we're gonna to talk more about the next step in disease prevention after we come after this break. You've been listening to the Healthcare Questions Show on KFNX 1100, The Pulse of Arizona. Hello and welcome back to the Healthcare Questions Show. I'm your host, Dr. Kendrick, and this show is sponsored by ARC Family Health. And we are talking today about what is health and how can we make it happen. So we've talked about the four major factors that have been studied to uh, reduce the risks of disease by 80 and 90%. And those four major things are nutrition, our exercise, our sleep, and avoiding harmful substances. And um, we just finished talking about exercise and how it can be one of the most important things that we can do. And, you know, this sounds really generic when you just say, you know, what can you do to be healthy? You can you can sleep and you can exercise and you can eat plants. That sounds like a, a really oversimplified recipe and it's stuff that, that nobody's surprised by. And that's part of why we're not talking a lot about it. You know, you can't you can't write a best-selling book that says uh, that you should exercise and sleep and you should eat plants because nobody's excited about hearing this this idea 
because it uh, it's already been heard and um, and it's not exciting and it's not easy. Well, the part that is exciting that I think is not heard and that people don't really understand is just how powerful this is. So you know, think about if you were to if you were to give these same statistics. Say, if I were to give you a pill, and that pill were to decrease your amount of stroke by 70%. So you just take this one pill and there are no negative side effects at all. You know, we've studied it and we know for sure there's no negative side effects and you will not get a stroke in 70% of cases if you take this pill. How much would that pill be worth in US dollars? You know, it would be worth uh, trillions and trillions of dollars. Um, the, to give you some reference, um, Crestor is a, is a pill that um, that sells over a billion dollars worth a year, and so so that medication, which is used for lowering cholesterol, um, which has arguably uh, very much lower rates in actually uh, reduce, reducing disease than the things that I'm talking about, um, is uh, is being sold at a tune of a billion dollars a year. And so if we were to if we were to be able to create a pill that had the same effect of these uh, lifestyle factors that I'm talking about, it would be worth more money than any drug on the planet. And um, and then add to it that it also reduces colon cancer by 70 percent. It reduces heart disease by 80 percent, reduces diabetes by 90 percent. I mean, these uh, these would be crazy numbers if you were to able to take a pill. And so the next question is, well, then why aren't we doing it? And um, and so if it were a pill, we would probably buy it and we would do it. But since it's not, and since it requires effort, why aren't we doing it? And and I of course that's a complicated question. There's a, there's a lot of factors that um, that keep us from exercising. There's a lot of factors that keep us from eating foods that are really good for us. Um, and that's where we move further upstream. We were talking about earlier that that our health is like a stream and that as the stream gets polluted, we might use some chemicals to clean it up like medications. But if you work, work further upstream, you might be able to prevent the disease before it happens. And that's where uh, we're talking about with exercise, nutrition, and sleep, you can prevent most of this disease. But what comes upstream from exercise, nutrition, and sleep? And that's our thoughts and our feelings and our beliefs. And those are the main things that drive whether or not we're going to exercise, whether or not we're going to take care of ourselves in general. So that's that's a tough question. How do we change the thoughts, feelings, and beliefs that lead to our our healthy habits, and um, and I would start I would start first with the idea that you are worth taking care of. Now I heard something interesting recently, um, some statistics comparing the way that people take care of their dogs versus the way they take care of themselves, and um, I've known this for a long time that only a third of patients actually take the medication that doctors prescribe to them as it's prescribed. So so two-thirds of people are not doing what the doctor asked them to do, which makes my job feel kind of silly sometimes. 
Um, but, uh, but then you compare that same study, um, those same recommendations in, in how people take care of their dogs and much higher rates of people will give their dog their medication faithfully than they will give themselves faithfully. And, and what does that mean? I don't know. Um, but it, it seems to suggest that we are not valuing ourselves. And, um, you know, there's lots of reasons why we might not feel like valuing ourselves. But one of the ones that I see very commonly in my practice is just the idea that taking care of other people is more important than taking care of ourselves. I see this especially in mothers. Dads do this too, but I see this very often in mothers. They come in and they say, you know, um, I, I hear what you're saying. I do believe that, that these things would help me be healthy, but I just don't have time. I've got all of this stuff I've got to do for my kids. And I say, well, um, that is admirable. And we are so grateful for all of you wonderful mothers out there that are taking such good care of your families. But is it not also an important thing to do for your family to take care of yourself? And there are two main reasons why I think that's important. One is if we take care of ourselves, we are going to be so much more useful, so much more helpful to other people for much longer. So this is not just about getting our kids the best education and the best access to, to resources and the best clothes until they turn 20 and then we turn them out into the world and now we can just die because we did the thing that our whole life was centered around. There is more that we can provide for people over a whole lifetime of service than just uh, just giving everything we have to them before they leave the home. And then the other really important reason that we should take care of ourselves for other people is because especially if we are modeling for younger people, we want them to know that taking care of themselves is a good idea. So if you want your children to be really healthy and happy when they grow up, What's the best way of doing that? Show them today how you can live and take care, good care of yourself. Show them that being an adult also means that we take good care of our bodies by exercising, by um, getting good nutrition, by getting good sleep, um, and doing, uh, doing things that are good for us, doing some meditation and breathing exercises. So if we really want uh, the the younger people in our life to learn about how to be healthy and happy, let's show them. Let's show them the way that we can take care of ourselves so they can take care of their selves when they get to our age. So the, those are a couple of the things that I'd love for people to keep in mind as they are deciding what things they have room for in their life. Um, what's important to you and so if you are not taking care of yourself with good exercise, nutrition, and sleep, um, let's start today. And you've been listening to the Healthcare Question Show sponsored by ARC Family Health. Find us at arcfamilyhealth.com. And this is 1100 KFNX, the Pulse of Arizona.